did a tent meeting in uh, in North um, Phoenix uh, many years ago, and in the tent meeting, uh, about three nights in, it was myself and Rosie Greer, my friend, and we did a uh, tent meeting. This in North Phoenix at that time was very uh, crime ridden. I mean, it just really was. It was the high crime area of of Phoenix, and a lot of gangs and a lot of drugs and gang activity as a result of that. And so after about three nights of meetings, we drove up to the tent and uh, there was several police cars there, a lot of police activity at our tent. And I thought, oh, Lord, something's happened. <laughs> you know, my thought is, oh, Lord, somebody's been shot or knifed or somebody was stealing or, you know, threatening, doing something. I walked up and everything seemed calm and I walked up to the police officers and I said, uh, everything okay here? Because <laughs> it's kind of, you know, a little shocking. It'd be like if you drove up to the church and there were cop cars all over the place, you'd think, what has happened? So I said, well, a lot of y'all out here, what's going on? They said, well, the crime rate has gone down since you put this tent up in this neighborhood. And it said, in fact, we're getting no calls. We're wondering what's going on. So we said, the only thing different about this neighborhood is your meeting. And so we want to know what's, what you're saying and why. I said, well, we're just preaching the gospel. People are being saved and being healed and being delivered and leaving their drugs, paraphernalia on the altar and weapons and all kinds of things. And we could have opened a pawn shop right there with all the stuff they were leaving behind. But uh praise God. We said, well, the only thing we know is that, you know, we're just the good news is permeating the area. And they said, well, for some reason, they've stopped shooting each other and robbing and pillaging and raping and doing all the things they normally do. So praise God. I, I believe you can change a community with confession. And... uh Calling those things which be not as though they were. Amen? I don't know what I got off on that for. Well, it's part of my theme tonight, I guess. All right. Let's get in the Word. Quit horsing around here. Mark 11. And verse 24. Tonight, I'm going to teach on the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. You know, we've been teaching the prayer series off and on <laughs> um, for the last several weeks. And, uh, you know, we talked about different kinds of praying. So here, and I know I've taught this before, but it bears repeating. I just had this on my heart tonight. The prayer of faith. Um, now, you know, again, uh, a lot of folks from over in the grace camp, we'll call it, if there is such a thing, um, kind of loosely organized, uh, will almost leave the impression that you don't have to use faith once you found, you know, who you are in Christ and righteousness and those things. But, you know, our key scripture for grace and faith is Ephesians 2.8, that tells us that we are uh, saved by grace, through faith. Amen? So that God, and the Bible says, 
that God has given to every man the measure of faith. So, if faith is given to us by God, and I believe it is, um, it's not just an idea, it's not just a positive... You know, have you ever heard somebody try to explain faith to you that had no revelation of faith? And they'll talk about positive thinking, or it's good to be a positive person. Well, that is true, but that has nothing to do with faith, really. Uh, it has, uh, faith is a substance. Faith is a real thing. It's a thing. You ever heard somebody say, is that a thing? <laughs> some new, some new thing you've heard about. Is that a thing? And is faith a thing? It is. It's a thing. It's, uh, it's something that is living, that is real, that is a deposit from God. Amen. It includes the ability to believe something that you cannot yet see, yet taste, yet feel, and hear in those things. Amen? In other words, faith does not depend on the five senses uh, for functioning. It depends on something else. And one of the foundations of faith is the Word of God. You're never going to be strong in faith trying to feel your way spiritually. Again, you talk to folks that have been sort of influenced by this new age uh, humanistic culture, and they'll try to engage you like they're smart, you know, right? Talking about uh, things like, um, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, I can sense things, I can tell when something bad's about to happen, or whatever. And you realize at that point that this is not a person of the Word, this is not a person of faith. Because we go, sure, there's this inward leading, that's a whole other teaching, there's uh, the inward witness, thank God for that, amen. We can know things in advance, we can sense things. Almost, we almost say like a sixth sense. But there's, there's plenty of people in the world that have that, that don't know anything about God. And, and, uh, turn into some kind of fortune teller or whatever. So, thank God for the witness of the Spirit, but we don't go by the Spirit. We go by the Word, and the Spirit then agrees, confirms the Word. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? If you've ever met somebody like that or you have a friend or somebody in your family that loves to talk about spirituality without any foundation, it gets weird quick. And then they'll talk about what they like to think. Well, I kind of think I like to look at it this way. I blah, blah, blah. That's the, that's the, 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 the mantra. And I've always felt and I've always thought and I've always, well, great. Goody for you. Give her another cupcake. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that, that, that they are people of real faith. Kenneth Hagin has a book that he wrote many, many, many years ago, decades ago. Uh, it was one of the original first books he published, The Real Faith. And if you've never read that book, I encourage you to order it. You can order it, I'm sure, online at rhema.whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> Com, org, net, something. They probably have all of them. But uh, if you just look that up, 
uh, you can order that book from them, The Real Faith. And it's taught, and it explains what real faith is. So again, like I said, from the grace camp, you'll almost get an impression. I've been around a lot of those folks and they'll leave you the impression that faith is not now necessary. Well, it is because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, the great grace and faith scripture that we're saved by grace. It's the gift of God. Amen. You can't earn it. It's not merited. It's all from God's side. I get that. But then it says through faith. Amen. So we believe that we receive. So I'd like to explain it this way a little bit about using faith is that somebody might say, well, that's works. Well, it's, it's not. It's just utilization of a tool that God has given us. So that's like you got a 16-year-old. Can you believe we give people 16-year-old license to drive? But, uh, uh, we, and we wonder why we have problems. But, um, you know, you give a 16-year-old maybe his, you know, his first car or whatever as a gift. Say, here's your, here's your car, your Camaro or whatever. And, uh, the, the car's provided. It's a gift. You didn't ask for anything in return. And, he, and you say, and he goes, great. I've got this car and, uh, you know, you say, I've noticed the car's been sitting there in the driveway for a week. Why don't you get in it and drive it? I gave you the keys. Here's the insurance card. Here's a tank full of gas. Well, I'm not into dead works. I'm, I'm just going to look at the car sitting there. So faith is like that. In other words, faith is given to us by God. It is a gift. It is, it is, it's part of the gift too. I believe the whole thing, grace and faith, are a gift from God. And faith is the thing that we use to get all the benefits of grace. How about that? Amen. And if that's dead works to you, then I don't know what to tell you. Other than you're the kid with the car, the new car in the driveway, and never get in it, never drive it, never utilize it. And if that car sits there long enough, the wheels will rot off. And all the rubber will turn to stone and the car, the battery will die and all the computers will go dead and everything will go wrong with it that can go wrong. Amen. So that's the way I look at at that balance there on grace and faith. So to me, now for some faith people, something about understanding grace seemed to threaten them. Make them feel like, well, I'm not a grace person, I'm into faith. Well, where did you get that faith? It's a gift of God, amen? Where did you get uh, any kind of connection to God? It's a gift. It's His grace. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. So I'm not trying to balance anything. I don't think the Word needs balancing. Just preaching the Word, amen? And uh, let's get all that we can out of it. If it's in there and it's good and it's got my name on it, I want it. Amen. So uh, look at 24 there. Let's read it. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, we're going to go come back to that in a second, when you pray... 
you're going to do something. You're going to believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now notice again, it says what things soever. In other words, whatever, whatsoever. We don't say whatsoever so much in modern English, but we might say whatever. (laughs) Whatever things that you desire. Amen. Now it doesn't say... See, again, the Calvinists would love to balance this in their mind with, well, whatever the Lord desires. Well, that's not what it says. Well, what does the Lord desire? The Lord desires for you to make up your mind. And quit being religious as if it's some sin or something ugly and dark to have a desire. Again, strict Calvinism teaches us that it's almost a sin to have a desire. That why should I desire? I don't desire anything. Whatever the Lord sends is fine with me. Now, can you imagine going and sitting down at a restaurant, they bring you a menu and you don't even look at it, and the waitress comes back and says, that dates me, doesn't it, waitress? What are they called now? Server. The server comes back. You'll get a march started if you start, say, waitress. But uh, uh, a server comes to the table and says, uh, you know, um, what what can I get you? Have you had a chance to look at the menu? I'm not looking at the menu. Oh, so you've already decided what you want. No, you just bring me what you want me to have. Well, if I was her... I would find the most expensive item on the menu. That's what I would bring. You know, the 46-ounce porterhouse with lobster tails and, you know, I'd bring the $72 thing. That's what I'd bring. But, you know, they would say, well, what's... what? That's weird. I can't, I can't make that call. It's your, you're the one hungry... You're the one needing food. You're the one knows what you like and what you don't like. You're the one that understands your, if you have food allergies or whatever, health issues. You'll have to be the one to make the demand, to make the order. Make your order. Uh, Brother Hagen called it writing your own ticket with God. You know, just you, you decide. And I remember one time there was, uh, I was in need of a, of a, uh, well, I wasn't quite yet in need of another car, but a new car, but I was close to it. I knew that this car that I was driving, you know, was, was they don't last forever. In other words, you know, I knew that it was going to be replacement time and started to have some issues. And eventually you have a difficulty getting parts and, Things like that, you know, and so I was just making kind of a vision, not a vision board, but a vision list on a little notebook. You know, I'd write down my desires because once I saw this in the word, I took advantage of it. I'm not going to be religious and ridiculous about, well, I don't know. I do know. Praise God. And uh, so there was a certain brand of automobile that I liked and and uh, different models. And of course, the the top model was the most expensive one, of course, you know, the largest car. And then there was others down the line. And uh, I thought, well, I don't have any money for a trade car anyway. 
I didn't have any money or credit <laughs> or favor or anything. I thought if I get this new car, new to me, it, it, that the car that came was not brand new, but it was new to me and beautiful. Now this is many years ago, and I thought I'm gonna make my list here of things I desire, and one is I desire a new car because I know this one that I'm driving is not gonna survive. So I started to write it down, and on the inside of myself, if I can describe that, there was this model, the top model that I wanted, and I thought, well, those are really expensive. And I don't know how the Lord's going to ever even get that to me. Now, isn't that a ridiculous thought? I, you know, don't look at me in that tone. I know you thought the same thing. <laughs> You know, a lady in our church here who is, and her husband, they're, they're helping us here tonight. Um, Jerry and Marie. We had Tuesday morning prayer meetings for a while, for a couple of years. And, uh, we had a, a lesson I was teaching on this same thing about, you know, whatever you desire. It doesn't matter how expensive it is or, if you figured out a way for God to do it or not. And uh, so I said, you know, everyone here, or if you want to, uh, stand, you can stand and say what you're believing for, you know, what your faith is for, like Mark eleven twenty four faith. And Marie stood up and said, I believe for my house mortgage to be paid off, and uh, sat down. And I said, amen, but on the inside I thought, how on earth is that going to happen? I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I mean, any house, you know, that's a lot of money. And and uh, we're, you know, we're we're talking, we're talking, you know, six figures here to get a house paid off. And I thought, I don't know where that's going to come from for them. I just don't know. And I'm just thinking, you know, sort of we call it pastoral. But it's a little bit codependent, to be honest. <laughs> Pastors won't admit they're the biggest offenders that codependency is going to figure out somebody's life for them. But I, I'm sitting there thinking, oh God, I hope this ends well, doesn't go into disappointment, and then and then I can see the session. Uh, Pastor, I prayed this and believed, and nothing's happening, and what's happening, and you know, this is how you think. And uh, Marie knows, uh, and Jerry don't know that I thought that, but this is the first time I've admitted it. But I, uh, I did think it, and I, maybe they thought it too. <laughs> I don't know, but I thought it, and uh, never dared say it. But I thought, wow, praise God. So, anyway, uh, long story short, praise God. Uh, some events happened that caused them to receive. Another entire house was just given to them that they were able to sell and pay off their house and have a nice little chunk of savings in the bank on top. So praise God. You know, uh, this works. Amen. And, uh, and other times, so, you know, with... Houses, cars, all kinds of things that we've all experienced, some great thing that God has done. 
Well, I'm making my list, you know, back years ago, this is decades ago, I'm making my list about, you know, which car that I really want, and 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 I thought this. Well, get the low, the next class down, the next one, because you know people won't be so critical of you if you drive that, and uh, it's cheaper anyway, and cheaper to operate, and cheaper to insure, and blah blah blah. And I almost wrote that down, and then on the inside, I heard the question. Is that the car you really desire? If money were no object, would that be the one you would buy? And I said, no, I don't, I don't really want that one. I want this one. Well, write it down. You believe in God anyway. I mean, any car at that point would have been a miracle. If somebody drove up in a Ford Pinto, you understand. If you drive a Ford Pinto, God bless you. But I'm just saying that was the smallest thing they made. That's why it was called a Pinto. It's about the size of a bean. And we thought in that time cars couldn't get smaller, but boy, were we wrong. You have ever seen a smart car in Europe, you know, two seats and nowhere to put anything. I don't know how people grocery shop with that thing. But, um, you know, if you drive, uh, some people say, well, I drive my cars little and old and I love it and I don't like your preaching. Well, God bless you. Knock yourself out. I'm just talking about you can have what you desire. If that, if you've got what you desire, be happy and shut up. Leave everybody else alone that's believing for something else. Amen? Because people like to go around with hands on their heads. So what do they need with that? Well, obviously you don't know. Maybe it's none of your business. Maybe they don't need it. Maybe they just wanted it. How about that? That's the part that gets them, that you can... Tell God something you desire and get it, and it makes them mad because it doesn't look like it's a need. Do you see the word need anywhere here? What things soever you need. Well, there's, you know, there's people that live out on the street that have demonstrated you don't need a whole lot to survive, especially in Florida. Even when it's cold, they'll huddle up under the bridge or something. I've seen it. They're not, you don't need a whole lot to just survive. So if we're just talking survival here, the, the Bible is not a book of survival. It's a book of thriving. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that to barely survive. No, he said, I've come to give you life and have it more abundantly. So life in Christ is not about poverty. It's about production. It's about blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh fat, maketh rich, and addeth no sorrow to it. One translation said there's nothing that that human um, effort can add to it. It's so perfect. And the Bible talks all, all the time about uh, us being perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Woo! Well, so anyway, Jerry Marie's house story was really a testimony to me and to the whole church. And even our church building here is a, such a, it's a miracle testimony. We have, we applied Mark 11:24 to, to this building, to this property. 
we didn't have 10 cents in a, a, a savings fund or building fund or, you know, you should have at least had $30,000 or something, you know, poked away somewhere. We had nothing. We didn't even have the account open to have it in. And I stood in this church right here and told that realtor, uh, he said, here's a card of a guy that helps churches with uh, financing. And I said, we'll be paying cash. There's folks here tonight that heard me say that. I said, we'll be paying cash. I got in my car and my head said, have you lost your mind? And where, Mr. David Horton, do you think that's going to come from? And I said, I don't know. It's just what the Lord told me to say. So I declared it. And 110 days later, we had almost $500,000 in the bank. (laughs) It came from everywhere. All over the country, people sent in money. I had anonymous donors would stick like, $7,000 $7,000 in PayPal. I didn't even know where it came from. Still don't know. They, they were able to sneak it in there without you finding it. I thought, all of a sudden, my, my phone would light up. Ding! You know, a little, little, little ding. And it'd say, you have, you know, money in your account. And I'd transfer that to the account. We did get a savings account then. <laughs> Put money away for the, to pay. And so we, we paid cash for the building. Amen. Can you imagine that? I mean, you, you know, you just think, what if I, what if I would have talked myself out of it? And what if I would have said, well, I don't know where that's going to come from. That would be a miracle. Well, we preach miracles and then refuse to live by them. So the, you know, New Year's resolutions. I don't know about those, but I do know about new birth confession. And declarations. What would happen this year in the next 12 months that would change your life dramatically? I'm challenging everyone. Might continue this Sunday. It's a good message, isn't it? Why not just say, it doesn't cost anything to say, my house is paid off. It doesn't cost anything to say, my car is paid off or, my this loan that I have is is paid off, or uh, you know my health. This health problem that I've had for many years is cured. You know whatever it is, Amen. That you could that would be such a blessing to you. And if it's a blessing to you, it's a blessing to the body of Christ, because the more blessed you are, the more of a blessing you can be. Preach, Pastor. <clears throat> All right. Um, so again, we're back to the word desire. What things, oh, anyway, on the car, the very car that I wanted, that I wrote down, because again, you can't believe for something that somebody else wants you to have, or that you think that they want, that you think you would have more favor if you had that. So, I thought, well, I gotta believe God anyway. Why not just put, I mean, anything would be a miracle. Why not just put down what I really want? So I wrote it down. 
Did you know that in a matter, I think it was weeks, if not months, maybe weeks, a few weeks went by, and I got a phone call from a ministry person connected to us in Dallas, Texas, and said, I've got this car here, and it said what it was. It was the very car I wrote down on that paper. And it's yours, and I uh, got the title and the key, and here's the address where it's sitting if you want to come get it. I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I was living in Tulsa, praise the Lord, holy city. So that's about five hours, four and a half hours, like driving from here to Miami. So I went down there and got it. It was in, in the very vehicle that I had claimed. Now what if I'd have stuck with the cheaper one? I might still be standing because, you, you know, it's hard to believe for what you don't want. What do you desire? And it works the other way, too. You know, sometimes people, they really what they really desire is, is something, something, and then somebody else wants them to have better than that, and they're trying to push them, you know, into something that they don't really want. I don't really want this. Right? So that's why it's important to get this first line. And that's what I've been harping on for 20 minutes. What things soever you desire. So make a list of your desires. Oh, well, you know, again, the naysayers will say, well, what if what you desire is not God's will or it's sin or something? Well, you can't really have faith for sin. Let me tell you why. Faith begins for the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, you're never going to hear the word of God tell you that it's all right to claim somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband or somebody else's house or car or money or anything. You can't be covetous of somebody else and jealous and then call that faith. That's not faith. Like one guy, Brother Hagin was teaching at healing school back in the day when we were first started it. We started healing school on October 1st, 1979, Rama campus, and it was really three of us running it, Brother Hagin, myself, and Patsy. And uh, so we, we, by then, they built another building, and we were in a, bigger auditorium, and this nut, we had a few nuts at Rama. and this nut comes down the aisle, and the ushers tried to grab him, and he reacted almost violently, and Brother Hagin just said, just let him, what, what, you, you got my attention, what? And he said, the Lord told me to tell you to give me your red Ford Bronco. Well, Brother Hagin said, no, you can't have it. He said, now you can have a red Ford Bronco. You can believe God. They made more than one. You can believe God and get your own, but you can't have mine. The guy said, okay. He went and sat down. And, of course, I think 
they got a restraining order on him later. But anyway, because he would keep doing weird things. He was he needed to be in the state hospital, but they were closing him down by then, you know. But um, I mean, he was certifiable, you know. You understand? But um, that's a good point. Is that you can't again? Well, I'm believing God for you know Betty Lou's husband to leave her and marry me. You know, there's people that's come up with crazy stuff like that. Felt like God spoke to him. Well, that wouldn't be God because I don't care what you feel. I think you're, what you're feeling has nothing to do with God. <laughs> I think it's something else going on <laughs> called lust of the flesh. <laughs> but anyway, right? They're into sin just thinking like that. You know, they got problems. Well, the thing is, is to say, well, that, I'm believing God for that. Well, no, you're not. You're believing something, but you're not believing God because God can't participate with you in your faith. That's not faith. I, it's a, it's an imposter for faith. It's some sort of hoping, wishing, maybe even into witchcraft, to be honest. But you can't do that stuff and call it faith. Sin is sin. You know, we, like we say, I make fun of that sometimes, but it's true. Sin is sin. In other words, what if it's sin, in the word, it's sin. And you can't have faith for sin, it won't work. So, again, you have to, so, so anyway, I got the car that I was believing for. And it was a great blessing for a few years. Amen. Uh, so when are you going to believe for that? Well, you're going to do it when you pray. So you have this desire or a list of things, three, four things, five things, whatever many things. You go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I'm praying according to Mark 11:24. Prayer of faith says, "What things ever you desire when you pray." Well, I, I desire. Now, see, Kenneth Hagin got his healing through this scripture that 24 more than 23, because he said that the Baptist had told him that healing was done away with, the last apostle. Can you imagine the guy's on life support and he's barely breathing and get your healing while it lasts. Oh, he's gone. That's it. Forget it. Wait for the millennium. But there's whole denominations that teach that. And uh, his particular Southern Baptist group that he was at in North Central Texas there believed that way. The Methodist church in town believed that way. They prayed, but, you know, we don't know what they pray. They pray something. Maybe they have a good heart. People say, well, they meant well. Well, okay, we'll give them that. Trying to encourage people and help them and, you know, be sweet to them. But that's not faith. It's sweet, but it's not faith. (laughs) Good intentions, but not faith. And so um, he said that they had pretty well convinced him that healing was impossible. But he read the scripture and said, well, now, wait a minute, I see a loophole. See, he would think like an attorney. I see a loophole here. Because it says, so they said that healing's been done away with. But nobody's ever said that faith has been done away with. And nobody's ever said that prayer has been done away with. So based on that logic... 
That's why he chose the scripture to stand on for his healing. Because he said, what things soever you desire. Even if I desire healing that's been done away with, I'm going to desire it. And he did, and he got his healing. And he, and he had a great ministry and changed and really touched the world. When you pray, you're going to believe that you receive these things. Now, it doesn't say when you pray, beg the Lord for it and cry and blow snot. No, it says believe that you receive them. What, receive what? Receive the things that you desired. Lord, as I go over this list, I, this is my desire, and I believe that I receive it in Jesus' name, and I call it according to that now. And then it says, and you shall have them. Now, the ye shall have them part is God's part. He's the one that's going to make sure that his word does not return unto him void. So if you're holding the word up to God, he will ensure you. He, in other words, he, he's, he's behind you, and he will bring it to pass. Now, a lot of faith people, again, they get into a thing of almost trying to make it come to pass themselves. You don't have to do that. Now, if the Lord gives you instruction, change jobs, do this, whatever, you know, you, you, you might want to obey that. That could be part of the answer. Y'all listening? But here it says, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Again, it's God bringing the ye shall have them. And if I try to get over and do his job, I'm in trouble. And that's when frustration kicks in and we wonder, did he answer the prayer? Well, you're not letting him answer the prayer. <laughs> we who, we, I should say we, not you. We who get involved with the ye shall have it part, we're not letting him do it. We're going to do it for him. Force it somehow. The Bible talks about in Deuteronomy that the blessings of Abraham shall come from behind and overtake you. We don't have to chase the blessing. Folks, we have the blessing. The blessing is salvation and its benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. These are, this comes with it. It's called a package deal. It's called a bundle, call whatever you want to call it. They'll sometimes you go to get a new phone, they'll say, well, if you get our TV cable service and you get, you know, this and that and the other, we'll bundle it all and it'll be cheaper. Well, it will be for five minutes. Then they add it back. But um, we understand package deals. We understand all-inclusive vacations. We understand the idea of joining a club, and then there's all these amenities that go with it. Amen. Usually if you join a country club, you can not only play golf there, you can play tennis, you can use the pool, they have a restaurant, you, they have walking trails, they might even have horse riding, they might have a lot of things. And if you're a member, you can enjoy all that. Well, membership in the faith club has benefits, praise God. Amen. And that is that you do not have to go along in this life suppressing your desires. 
whatever you desire, believe you receive. So what would my confession then be? Again, not dictating, but just giving you an, uh, an example. What would my confession be uh, at, the, at the end of this prayer? Father, I thank you that when I prayed is when I received these things. I believe that I received. Now it's past tense. Now, to show you God doing an example of that, if you study, um, if you study the, the story of, um, look at, um, just real quick, we've still got a few minutes here. I promise I won't go over time. I sometimes do. Romans 4, uh, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So if you go back and you look at that original story about Abraham, God changing his name, remember, from Abram to Abraham, which Abraham meant the father of many nations. So in, in, in one statement, God changed his name. He said, your name's been, basically your name's been Abram. Now I'm going to call it Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Now, interesting on tenses. That before he had uh, always promised that he was going to make him the father of many nations. Just It was a prophecy. Pr- prophetic words are usually futuristic. Um, and they'll talk about what's going to happen in the future, right? We would call it a prediction, but if it's from the Spirit of God, it's real, and then those are few and far between these days, seems like. Um, you can you can count on it, amen, that it will come to pass. And a true test of a real prophet is, do their prophecies come to pass? If they don't, you might want to just, you know, hold up your cross and garlic when they come at you in the parking lot. That's a joke. Um, we have a stake and hammer in the trunk in case things get really out of hand, you know. That was one of my biggest bloopers I ever did. I was at a special meeting and I was talking. I made the joke about certain meetings get so out of hand that you might want to bring your cross and garlic, you know, to ward off the vampires, you know. And so... I said, so we have a hammer and stake in the trunk in case things get really out of hand, you know, to kill the vampire. And I said, um, in case we have to perform, and I meant to say an exorcism, but I said circumcision. <laughs> Horrible. I said, in case we have to perform a circumcision, and I thought, ooh, we wouldn't want to exactly try that with a stake and a hammer, would we? That would could get painful. So uh, 
It took me a minute to get the meeting back. People were crying on the floor almost, like couldn't believe I said that. I couldn't believe I said that. I thought, it's time to retire, David. You are saying ridiculous things. <laughs> Horrible blooper. Don't get your circumcision mixed up with exorcism. There's two different ideas there. All right. Um, I just found it interesting on that scripture in Genesis, again, talking about Abram, God says, you know, I've called you, your name is Abram, but uh, I've changed your name. Yeah, there it is. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. In other words, it's still almost prophetic. You can see it's futuristic. Your name shall be, it will be. Abraham, but notice this, in, in, a, in, a, in one sentence, he went from the future to the past. The future to the past. For a father of many nations have I made, past tense, thee. Not for a father of many nations will I make thee. He understood that part. God had never before said, made thee. Past tense. The funny thing is, there's no evidence of anything happening yet. There's no pregnancy. There's no baby. There's nothing that indicates that this is remotely true. And yet God is not only saying it is the status quo, it is what is, it's already in the past. So if God in his mind can call those things that be not as though they were. That's why that reads like that in Romans. Then we can talk like that. And we can take things that we've been believing God for for 20 years and say, you know what, I'm tired of talking about this as when this manifests, when it comes to pass. Why don't you just go ahead and say, that's in my past, I call it. I call those things that be not as though they were. It had already happened. See, I believed, when I prayed, I believed that I received. Praise God. And, and I have practiced this for years. I need to practice it better and, and kind of remind myself to get back on track on some things. You know, we're always looking to the future. Well, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, we sound like Annie. I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. The problem with tomorrow is always a day away. And you've heard people testify. Well, when my healing manifests, when my money comes, when my ship comes in, I think some of my ships got sunk and they can't find them. You know, I don't talk like that. Well, when my ship comes in, I'll give this or I'll do that. Well, well, forget it. My ship came in at Calvary. Praise the Lord. My ship came in on the day of Pentecost, and my ship came in when we were given this holy written word of God, and we stand on it as if it has already occurred. God sees the future and calls it our past. Praise the Lord. Does that help you tonight? So I encourage you, make a list. Uh, you know, Scarlet... Um, Talks a lot about making a vision board. I think that's wonderful too. 
put things on there that you, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be just one of those small things. Sometimes people have literally taken a big piece of, um, what are those cardboard pieces that they, that you buy at an office supply? You can make a, you know what I mean? It's a, a cardboard thing. <laughs> And uh, so you take those poster board, that's what I'm trying to call it. Take a big piece of poster paper, poster board, and uh, you can just put that on your wall with uh, thumbtacks or something. But um, take that, and you can just take a glue stick and cut things out that you want to believe God for or, what, or make write it out on there with a magic marker, something like that, or Sharpie. And... Uh, Put it on there and 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 say, I see myself with this. I just see myself with this being my reality. Uh, I don't care what it is you're believing God for. Maybe you're believing God for a swimming pool. I don't know, but I mean, just put it on there. What it is that you want to see have happen, and you watch God bring it to pass. And it's such a testimony, and it it, it makes heaven more real. And it makes God more real, and realize that things are happening. In your life, Amen. All right, let's let's just uh, close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. We thank you for the truth. We thank you that we believe that we receive the many things that might be on our heart. And I know that corporately we're believing God for some things for the church um, and uh, some some upgrades and updates and some things like that. And a lot of them are are. Um, from a natural standpoint, seemingly expensive. But Lord, we thank you that doesn't matter what it costs, that you can bring it to pass, and we give you glory and honor and praise for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. God bless you. We'll say goodbye on the Internet and see you Sunday. All right. Amen. God bless you. Amen.